Welcome. We're glad that you're here. As you do get settled, let me invite you to open your Bibles with me, if you will, to the New Testament book of Ephesians. I need to read a passage with you from Ephesians chapter 3 to get our minds and our hearts oriented where we're going to go throughout our time together in God's Word. While you're turning back there, let me echo the welcome to all of you. You've already been an encouragement to me. Thank you for being here. Especially, we have a number of guests with us this morning. We're glad that you're here. We want to open up God's Word this morning and hear from God. Because we want to build lives on God's will, not our own. We, we want to be filled with the hope that only God can provide. We want to look past the best that humanity individually or collectively has to offer. We want to go back and, and we want to remind ourselves of where life has come from. And what life is meant to be, and drink deeply from the promises of the one who's made all things good, all things for his glory. We're glad that you're here. There is a single idea that I would love for you to keep in your mind, not just this morning, but if the Lord wills over the course of the next several weeks. That simple idea is from a tree in a garden to a tree on a hill of death to a tree in a heavenly city. If you understand the trees, you are well on your way to understanding what this big book is all about. This is a big book. It can be a challenging book. I, I'm not sure that I have ever met someone who has picked up this book and tried their best to read through this book, who went from cover to cover, and when they were done, said, well, that was rather elementary. It is a challenging book at times. But it is a God-given, God-preserved book for our learning, for our good. And there are lots of ways that we can try and wrap our minds around the big picture of what this book is really communicating to us. This is one such lens that I would love to look through carefully with you over the course of the next few weeks, from a tree in a garden to a tree on a hill of death to a tree in a heavenly city. If you understand the trees, you are well on your way to understanding what this big book is all about. Now, we have a number of very young hearts all around us who have a really good head start. This is what they spent. Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday going through. And we are so thankful that you made sure they were here. We are so thankful for so many of you who worked together to make our vacation Bible school. For our children that was revolving around the trees of the Bible. A really encouraging success. But I want to spend the next few weeks 
talking with those of us who were in the auditorium, focused on something else. Or if you're a guest with us, you came at exactly the right time. You, you, you haven't missed anything. This is not something we outgrow. This is not something that we can say, well, I've heard that. That's rather basic. I, I think I'll move on to something else. In fact, by the time we're done this morning, I want to show you just how relevant this is. It is a big story. And that story has a start in a garden. And we'll be at that start of that long story in just a few minutes. But if your Bible is open there to Ephesians 3, could I remind you of some foundational things that we talked about several weeks ago as we were really just kind of setting the stage for our vacation Bible school. Whether you were a children in one of, a child in one of these classrooms or you were here in the auditorium talking with Kenny about faith. We said this is a big, a long, sometimes a winding and, and complicated story, but one way of summarizing the entire thing is just with three words, really two words and a little connecting word, trust and obey. Why are you here? Why did God see fit to give you time? Why did the sun rise? His sun rise this morning why are we anticipating how are we anticipating a, a brand new week full of opportunities and challenges and responsibilities obligations all of these things what is it really all about do you ever have days where you find yourself maybe just kind of staring at the wall or staring up in the sky and you're, you're struggling to find some meaning and some purpose. Maybe you, you, you felt like you had it for a little while, but something has shifted and you just feel a little off kilter and, and you find yourself wondering, what is it really all about? Well, here's one God-given answer. And it has to do with trusting. We compared it to our roots, right? Look there with me in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14 of that chapter where the Holy Spirit leaves the Apostle Paul to say, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory. Do you you, you hear what we have just heard? Every family in heaven and on earth. Everybody. Every people group. Every race. Every ethnicity. Every individual is somehow tied by our Creator to the riches of His glory. We were created for Him. And he has not simply created us and left us on our own conducting an interesting experiment to see what we'll do. He has a heart to give. He has a heart to grant. We've just spent a few minutes reflecting on the greatest gift of all, the gift of his son. But even that, 
It's not that God had this amazing plan and it culminated and then concluded in Jesus and now it's up to us, well, years, decades, centuries, millennia later to decide whether or not we want to pay any attention to that sort of thing. You have a place in God's plan. You play a role in His will for all of creation, for all time. And He's not left you on your own. He, according to the riches of His glory, He wants to grant you strength with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Let's set aside for the rest of the day. I, I'd encourage you to set it aside for the rest of your life that this is not something I come on Sunday morning and I'm physically present and I sit in the right spot and I listen to the right things and maybe participate a, a little here and there and then I, I, I go on unaffected uninvested, to do my thing. God wants to connect with your inner being. He wants to transform your inner being. He wants to strengthen and sustain your inner being. And here's the reason why. I, I suggest to you, Here's why we have lived six months of this year. And we didn't go by those days and weeks and months. We, we didn't engineer them on our own. We were given them. And how, how easily we can spin them and watch them fly by. Here's the reason we've had six months of a new year. In God's own words. So that His Son, who gave His life for you, might dwell in your heart through faith. What does God want from you? What does God want for you? He wants His Son to dwell in your heart through faith. So that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Here are our roots. Here is the possibility of refreshment for our souls and the stability of our hearts. Even when life isn't going the way we wish it would go, here is how we are being invited by God. Trust me. And I will root and ground you in love. And when you are rooted and grounded in love, when your inner being is connected and transformed and strengthened and sustained, you know what God describes? He describes fruit. 
That makes sense, right? He, he is the architect of all of these things. He, he roots us. He grounds us. He refreshes us. He stabilizes us. He energizes and strengthens us so that we might bear fruit. The Bible word very often attached to that is obedience. Trust and obey that you may be filled like an abundant healthy tree with all the fullness of God. We have that, that idea in our mind. We do. Let's go back to the very beginning. It's easy to find. I've always been told the very beginning is a very good place to start. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. It is a long story, but in the beginning, God creates. You can see that on page 1, verse 1, first words of your Bible. In the beginning, God said, God created. We could read, if time allowed, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. We could hear about, we could refresh our, our memories the way that so many of our children did over the course of the last few days. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God separated. God populated. God filled. God blessed in a variety of different ways. On the sixth day, He created man. He created Adam in his own image, in the image of God. Genesis 1 verse 27 tells us he created man. And if you look with me at Genesis chapter 2 beginning in verse 7, after forming Adam of dust from the ground. You see that in your own Bible. Genesis 2 and verse 7, breathing into his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living being, and after God did that, he planted a garden. Genesis 2 verse 8 tells us it was in Eden. It was in the east, and that's where he put the man whom he had formed. Man was God's idea. The earth was God's idea. Life was God's idea. Time was God's idea. This beautiful garden on this amazing planet upheld by the word of the power of the God who said, let there be, and there was. And it was good. Verse 9 draws our attention to the fact that this God is a gracious provider. Sometimes we as adults, especially when we feel like we already know something, we've heard this before, maybe it's very easy for us to read right through things and not really slow down long enough to appreciate what we are being told. Verse 9, Out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that's Good for the food. Absolutely, God created some things that we need, you and I, even thousands of years later, we need in order to survive. We need food. We need clothing. We need shelter. And God provided those things. But have you ever noticed in Genesis 2 and verse 9 that he created some things? He created some trees that are just pleasant to look at. 
parents, grandparents, could I, could I encourage you to latch on to that this morning and use that to open the eyes of your children, your grandchildren, this week. There are plenty of things all around us that we use by God's design for food, right? But there are some things we can't eat, and yet they are beautiful to behold. They are pleasant to the sight. I'm not even going to give you an example. I'm just going to encourage you to remember this simple point from Genesis 2 verse 9 and for your own good or for the eyes and the maturing, the knowledge of your children or your grandchildren, let's be on the lookout this week of some things that God made that are just beautiful to look at. Okay, I said I wouldn't give you an example. Let me, let me give you one. The beautiful blue sky you can't eat that. You can't use that for shelter or clothing. Blue, sky blue, was God's idea. Let, let's, let's center our minds on just looking for the good things that God has put in our lives. Things that we can use to survive. Things that are just beautiful to behold. And I feel very comfortable grounding us right there because, in fact, that's where the Son of God. I want you to listen to me this morning. Anxiety about life, worries about tomorrow, that's not a 21st century phenomenon. You are not the first human being to grapple with well, what about what's going to happen when, how is all of this going to work? I, I don't know how in the world all of this could possibly work together for good. I want to remind you how the Son of God challenged us. When we're dealing with the anxieties of life, do you know what he said? He didn't just say, find something you can eat and that'll make you feel better. He said, open your eyes and just notice however since days four, five, six of creation, there are birds in the air. Could I really encourage you, even as I encourage you, Myself this morning, notice the birds in the air this week. How they neither sow nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you of more value? Weren't you those who were created in God's own image? You're dealing with the anxieties, the stresses, the uncertainties of life. Open your eyes and look at the lilies of the field. You, you don't eat those. You don't use those to clothe yourself. You certainly don't use those for, for shelter. And yet, I want you to notice how they grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. And yet, even Israel's greatest king in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
And you know what that means, the Son of God asks? If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you? Adults, our children don't struggle with this this week. But you and I do. Let's anchor ourselves this morning to the fact Page one, page two of our Bibles. God graciously provided. And you know what? He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He graciously provided for us yesterday. He has graciously provided for us today. He will graciously provide for us tomorrow. And if we act as if He isn't there or we don't need Him he unabashedly calls us. He says we're acting like fools. I want you to imagine Adam or Eve walking in this spectacular garden. There are trees that are good for food. There are trees that are just pleasant to look at. And day one, day two, year one, year two, whatever it is, walking around this garden and saying, there's not a God. God's not there. All of this was just a beautiful accident that we happen to be enjoying at just the right place and just the right time. You and I both know it would have been the height of foolishness for Adam to walk around that beautiful garden and say, there is no God. And we live a long time later. We don't live in that garden anymore. But when we see manifestations of his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature, listen, in the things that have been made, things that are good for food, things that are pleasant to the sight, we are without excuse. I will be, you will be without excuse to enjoy His gracious provisions and live as if He isn't there this week. We will be without excuse if we leave here and don't honor Him as God or give thanks to Him as God. In fact, our thinking will only get more futile and our foolish hearts will only get darker. Now, I would suggest to you, every day the sun rises. This morning, as God made His sun to rise, He is communicating to us, trust me. Trust me. Is your Bible still open there? To Genesis chapter 2. He is a gracious provider. But he expected Adam and Eve to trust him. And so in verse 9 of Genesis 2, we read, Out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the side and good for food, the tree of life that was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's listen this morning and let's recognize that fundamental to life in the garden was a prohibition. 
Some of our older kids learned all about that over the course of the last couple of days. Never has God ever put any human being on his planet and said, you know what? You just go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Prohibitions did not come about as a result of our sin. Built into life in the garden was a prohibition, a forbidding. Why? Why did God do that? Why was he seeking to prevent and hinder when he said in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, I'm putting you in this garden, I'm putting you there to work it and to keep it, but I'm commanding you, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Look at all of these, it's amazing. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Why did God build that into life in the garden? Lots of ways to answer that. Could I offer one? For Adam's good, for Eve's good. It was a way for Adam and Eve to learn, I know more than you. I know better than you. Let me ask you, do you believe that this morning? I mean, really, when push comes to shove, do you really believe that there is a God whose thoughts are not your thoughts, His ways are not your ways, in fact, as high as those beautiful heavens are above the earth, so are His ways higher than your ways. And His thoughts than our thoughts. Do you believe that? And if you do, you recognize how serious it is when someone comes along and says, no, it's not really like that. In Genesis chapter 3, you know the story well. Verse 1, there is a serpent, a crafty serpent the first few words of Genesis 3 verse 1 tells us and that serpent comes to Eve and says to the woman did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden of course he didn't say that so what's going on here the woman says to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. No, you won't. In fact, I'm here to tell you, I know better than him. I know more than him. I certainly know more and better than you, is essentially what the serpent is suggesting. You won't surely die. The good life isn't in listening to God's prohibitions. You want a better life? Throw off the shackles. You just do whatever it is that you want to do. That's what the serpent is saying. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, 
If your mind has wondered, I need you to come right back to this point with me. Because this is where it gets very personal. Very practical for me and for you this week. Satan tempts Eve by luring and enticing her with her own desires. I need you to zoom in on that D word this morning. You, you listen to the language in verse th- 6 that uh, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. And life under the sun has never been the same. And that was a long time ago. And this is a really big book. But I need you even as I listen to James chapter 1. Because we're not in... Long ago, obscure Old Testament history here. We're talking about everyday life. James, in James chapter 1 verse 13, encourages us. Don't you ever say when you're being tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed By his own desire. And when I decide, you know what? I think that's what I want. Sin is conceived. Sin is given birth. Sin begins to grow, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I need you, even as I need to understand this morning, I need you to see, ever since, this has been the battleground. The turf of my desires and your desires. In fact, I invite you, let's go to the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, where we'll read in just a few moments. Ever since this has been the battleground, the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, makes that clear when he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, how does he summarize it all? Desires. The desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride of life. Things that are not from the Father... Things that have been growing and festering and destroying ever since Genesis chapter 3. Here's what you need to know this morning. This world is passing away along with its desires. But that's not God's will for you. God's will is that you would live and abide with Him forever. And so, is your Bible open there to Mark chapter 4? Many of us read this in our daily Bible reading just a few days ago. Absolutely foundational parable to everything else Jesus taught. 
Let me summarize it and then listen to his explanation. It was a sower that went out to sow. Some of his seed fell along the path. And as it was lying there, the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on rocky ground and there wasn't a whole lot of soil and it, it immediately sprang up but it, it didn't have any depth of soil it, it couldn't establish any roots other seed fell among some thorns and as it grew the thorns grew right along with it and, and choked it and it yielded no grain and, and some seed fell into really good soil and it bore fruit, lots and lots of fruit. I want you to listen to how Jesus explains that most foundational parable. Mark chapter 14, verse 14. The sower, the seed is, is God's word. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. These are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who hear the word and they immediately receive it with joy, but they have no roots. They're not yet trusting. They're not being refreshed, stabilized, and, and grounded. And so they endure for a little while, but then when tribulation and persecution arises, they, they immediately fall away. If you notice the point of None other of those illustrations. I want you to listen carefully to verse 18. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, guests, loved ones. I don't know any way to make it more nitty-gritty foundational than that right there. What do I want more? What do I want most? Some seed fell in soil that wanted hearts that wanted more than anything to be rooted in God and bear fruit for Him for the rest of my time on this earth. Ever since, this has been the battleground. And so could I, could I conclude just by maybe one other question that, that perhaps will stick with you the rest of this week. What's my food? I mean, we know what it is to have the desire for food. It was the Son of God Himself on a particularly long, difficult day when His disciples were hungry 
and they think, Jesus, you know, it, it's, it's past time for you to eat. And he said in John 4, verse 32, I have food to eat that you do not know about. They look around, has, has anybody brought him something to eat? But that's not what he was talking about. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. We don't have to speculate as to what Jesus' food was. So let me ask you. What's going to be your food this week? What's going to be my food this week? What do I crave most? Especially in a world where we hear consistently Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me how to live. Nobody's going to tell me how to make choices. Nobody's going to tell me what to do with my body. This is my body. These are my choices. I get to do whatever it is that I, I want to do. But you see, you can only talk like that if you're not paying attention to how the story begins. This is not our planet. That is not your body. This is not our time. This is not our air. You are not your own. And from page one, two, three of the Bible, what we're being invited to do is to trust and obey. The battleground of that choice is the turf of our desires. So let me leave you with Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. When I obey him, I'm acting as if I really believe, you know what, I'm pretty sure he knows better than I do. I'm pretty sure he knows more than I do. And so I'm not going to be wise in my own eyes. I'm going to fear him. I'm going to turn away from evil. And I'm going to trust that his way works. His way is the best way. His path is the path to healing. His path is the path to refreshment. In just a moment, we're going to sing a simple song that encourages you to really weigh what we've been talking about using these two key words, trust and obey. And as we sing this song, I don't care if you've sung this a hundred, a thousand times, I'd really encourage you to listen to the words of this song and think about what's my food? What do I want most? Why am I here? And if you realize this morning that you've royally messed up, well, you're in the right place. You realize that you've craved a whole lot of the wrong things, you're, you're in the right place. You realize that you've really made a mess of a whole lot of relationships, including your own life. You're, you're in the right place because we're encouraging you this morning not to trust us, not to obey any human being here, we're inviting you to trust and obey 
the God of heaven who gave his own son so that you could leave here turned away from evil and darkness, buried with Jesus in baptism, washing those sins away, raised to walk in newness of life so that you know as you leave here, I'm not my own. I was bought with a price. He's giving me time to glorify him in the body that he's given to me. Maybe right here, right now, is that turning point in your life. If we can be of any help, any encouragement whatsoever, would you let us know how we can help by coming to the front of this room while we stand and sing together?